Well, welcome back to the auditorium. <laughs> Last week we had that power outage, and uh, we were all out in the lobby worshiping, so it's uh, good to have all the, the lights back on again and the sound going and everything. Good to have you back online with us. Again, welcome to you, and if you're new, really good to have you with us. But I think we can all agree on one thing today, right? Enough of this ridiculous time change stuff. Am, am, am I right? This is like, who needs this anymore, right? Now, how many of you were, you were planning to be here for first service, but you forgot about the time change, right? So it's just not fair to church folk. That's all I'm saying, right? We struggle with a lot of things. That's a first world problem. But, you know, some of you are going through some pretty difficult things right now with your health. Or maybe, you know, my dad, my husband, struggling with uh, this addiction. Maybe some of you are going through some financial problems right now. Or, or you're in a... a really a relationship that's on the rocks, maybe a failed relationship, maybe been out of work for a long time, school seems like it's never going to end, you've got this impossible class that you're dealing with, and what do you do in times like that? When you're going through these seasons or moments, when you feel like quitting, just ready to give up, or, but you're in a job or you're in, a, you're in school that you can't quit at this point, maybe you just give up on trying, like this is it. I mean, this is as good as it gets. I'm just going to settle. I'm just going to stall out here. You give up trying for anything better because you don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to be disappointed. Right? So you just, you just settle for what you got. Nothing really is motivating you for anything better or bigger. Now, last week we started this new series called Grow and Go. The idea that God wants us to grow in our faith, in our understanding, of His Word, of, of applying it to our lives, and, and going so that we can impact others with our faith, tell them about Jesus. So we're going to look today at the book of Hebrews. So if you want to get your Bible open on your app or on your lap, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1. You can read along on the screen as well. Hebrews is a book that is uh, pretty heavy. I mean, it's deep in meaning. It's rich in theology, in illustrations, in applications. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, uh, it's been accepted as scripture from the very beginning. All the, you know, the letters of the New Testament all tell you who wrote them. This one doesn't, so it's a little di different. Many believe it was Paul, uh, but others like myself think it was probably Apollos. Could have been Barnabas. It was somebody very well acquainted with the Old Testament because they quote a lot from it, use a lot of imagery. And somebody that was very acquainted with the audience, which was Jewish Christians who seemed to be struggling, uh, who were weary. They were tired of the struggles they were going through, of being persecuted, of being disavowed by their families, of, of uh, all these, these problems they were experiencing just because they had said yes to Jesus. And it makes you wonder, maybe you've been there. Maybe you can, you can relate to this. Like, did they misunderstand what they were signing up for? Thought it was going to be better than this. Or uh, they, maybe they felt like they'd been lied to. They'd been duped into this, and they're, they're considering, like, throwing in the towel. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to leave my faith behind. Very relatable, I think. When you're in the middle of a long day of work you know, or a long week of bills piling up and kids are sick or a long month or a long semester of, um, you know, friendship struggles, a lot of drama, you know, the, the mental anxiety of seeing everybody's wonderful lives on social media, um, you're, you're dealing with uh, just in and out of classes all the time, just, or, or it, it could be more than that. I mean, we're talking about a year-long struggle with family issues or 
two years of pandemic struggles, right? Or long time dealing with these job issues. What do you do to keep going, and not just keep going, but to keep going in the right direction? Well, that's what the book of Hebrews deals with. Shows us that we not only need to keep on going to persevere, but to go in the right direction, go toward better things. In fact, some would call this the book of better things because it uses two Greek words here, better and superior, about 15 different times. So do you believe that there is something better or could be something better than what you're experiencing or living for right now? This series, I think, is really important. If you're not a Christian, uh, it's going to show you what's, what's better, that there's more to this life than what you're experiencing. So I hope by the end of this series, you're going to really have a better picture of that, of who Jesus is, what He's done for you, what He can do for you, what He will do for you, uh, that you'll be able to make a, an informed choice on following Him. Uh, others of you, you're already Christians and you know who Jesus is, but you might find that you are settling, that you're not really growing or going, that you're kind of settled into the old instead of living for something new, better, greater than that. So that's what our big idea is about. Jesus is greater and he offers something better. So let's start off Hebrews 1 verses 1. And two, you know, most of the New Testament letters, in fact, almost any letter starts off with a greeting, with some pleasantries. How you doing? You know, how are, how are you? What's going on? Not this one. It just jumps right in. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors. That would be the Jews or the Israelites in previous generations. He spoke to, through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He's spoken to us, how? By His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom? Also, he made the universe. Okay, so prophets, the way he spoke in the past, were the messengers who were um, more than just foretellers. They weren't just telling the future. They were telling forth God's word. They were given this divine, authoritative revelation to deliver to God's people. Uh, but Jesus came along, and he was something new. He was something different than just another prophet. He was the Son of God. And he inaugurated the last day. So we've been in him now for a couple thousand years. He commenced this final era that we're in and brought the final word. In fact, Jesus is the final word because he revealed God more than any prophet could. He is the living revelation of God. He is the word of God. So we know more about God through Jesus than in any other way. So this final age is the superior time because we have a superior prophet, one who is more than a prophet, who brings us the final word. Everything God is and has, Jesus is and has. He, he, in fact, God made the universe through His Son. Verses 3 and 4. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. So He reflects the glory of God much as the rays of the sun reflect the sun itself. And so He's called the exact representation of His being. That is like when Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. The exact representation. In fact, the word representation there, the Greek word for that is a character, and that was used in making coins. You get a flat disc of metal, and you would get a character that would stamp an imprint on there. And the imprint it would leave would be the exact representation of what was uh, marked. So the idea is that Jesus shows the exact mark of God. He's imprinted. With God, when you look at Jesus, you see God. He is God. And He's sustaining all things by His powerful Word. So Jesus is not only the creator of all that is. He says, let there be and there is, but He's also the one that keeps it going. Let it continue, and it does. He's creator. 
He's ruler. He's redeemer. Because after he had provided purification for our sins, how did he do that? Through his death, burial, and resurrection. He paid the death wages for our disobedience. He offered forgiveness, purification through his sacrifice. So he, again, he's much more than just another prophet. The, the, when you're reading the Bible and you read the words of Jesus, sometimes, you, depending on the version you have, you might, you might have the red letter edition, right? The words of Jesus that are quoted are in red. But don't be fooled by that to think that, well, those words are more important than any other. It's all Jesus' word. Jesus is the word. All of it's black or, or red are just as authoritative. Because Jesus came to do far more than just reveal God's word. Right? Prophets can do that. Jesus came to do what only he could do, and that's provide purification, forgiveness for our sins. And after that, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he dies, he rises, he appears to his disciples, and then he ascends into heaven. And right now, he is ruling and reigning over his spiritual eternal kingdom. So more than just another human or messenger, as, say, Muslims or Buddhists would have you believe that Jesus is, more than another religious leader or guru, more than even a demigod or angelic creature, as Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses would have you believe, Jesus is unique. There's no one else like him. He's far above any other. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. People back then and people still today get really awed and fascinated by angels, right? People get really fascinated, caught up in all that. And even in the early church, there might have been Christians who were tempted to exalt the angels. But that's a mistake because Jesus is higher, greater than the angels. The angels, yes, were awesome creatures. They brought the old covenant and commands, the Old Testament, the law. They brought that through Moses to the Jews. But the new covenant has been brought to us by God himself in flesh and blood, made through his flesh and blood. His sacrifice on the cross brought us the new covenant. So Jesus is on a whole different level, which means there's so much more reason to listen to him than, than, than anyone else. His words, whether in red or in black, demand our attention and obedience. So i got a question. Are you listening to him? Are you reading his word? Or are you taking it for granted? Are you ignoring it, neglecting it? Don't wait for some new revelation to come along, for some modern-day prophet to speak God's Word to you. We already have the final word. Open your Bible. There it is. What does God want? What does God say? You open your Bible. That's, that's it. So Hebrews 5, verses 1 through 13, begins to quote some Old Testament verses to confirm this. It goes to, back to quoting Psalm 2, 1 Samuel 7. It says, for which, To which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Let all God's angels worship him. In other words, um, nobody's like Jesus. Not the angels, not humans. I mean, the Jewish people typically thought those verses related to King David. But obviously they meant more than that. These were messianic prophecies that the Son of God would come, and the angels would worship him. Right, because now he goes on in Deuteronomy 32. And by the way, as the son, the son, being the son of God doesn't mean he's inferior to God. It means he has the same divine nature as the father. So Deuteronomy talks about the angels worshiping God for providing atonement for the people. Well, Hebrews says that God is Jesus. So 
the angels worship Jesus, not the other way around. Uh, how much more reason do we have to worship Jesus than the angels? Think of all that He's done for us. The angels only wish that, that they could have that kind of relationship with Jesus that we have. He makes His angels wins and His ministers. By the way, the word minister is a servant, so angels are merely servants. Jesus rules. Angels serve. In fact, He sends them to serve us. And He calls them flames of fire, right? Because they brought the old covenant. It was an angel in the burning bush to Moses and, and most likely an angel in the pillar of fire that led Israel. But of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, see, Jesus is God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of Your kingdom. So He's the eternal King of kings. You, Lord, Jesus is Lord, laid the foundation of the earth. See what he's doing? He's saying all these Old Testament quotes that are talking about God and Lord, uh, that's the same one as Jesus. Jesus is that God and Lord. And the heavens are the work of your hands, your Creator. They too will perish, but you remain. They'll wear out like a garment, like a robe. You'll roll them up like a garment. They'll all be changed, but you are the same. And your years will have no end, eternal. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Okay, so Hebrews is clearly establishing that Jesus is superior. Why is that important? Remember, they are going through struggles and suffering and they need to hear this word of encouragement because maybe they didn't know it or maybe they had forgotten that Jesus is superior because they're, they're thinking, is it worth it? Is, it, is, it? is all this really worth it when my friends... My family, my peers are making fun of me, ridiculing me, when they're disowning me, when people are threatening me, maybe even physically harming me. Is it worth it? And if you understand who Jesus is, what He's done for you, what He will do for you, then yeah, it's, it's absolutely worth it. His first message is, is, yeah, Jesus is greater. And He offers something better. They're going through a tough time, but the writer of Hebrews doesn't start to soothe them and coddle them or, or uh, speak words of comfort or even or words of condemnation for forgetting all this. He just jumps right in again and points them to how amazingly powerful and incredible that Jesus is. Get your focus on Him. Remember that. What he, what, whatever you're going through, whatever you're giving up, for His sake is worth it. So let me ask you, is your Jesus big enough? Because we can be the same way. We can forget about how big and amazing and powerful Jesus is to deal with what we're going through. When we're struggling, when we're tired, when we're anxious, Jesus is big enough. Maybe, maybe you thought, well, if I become a Christian, then it's going to make me feel better, right? Uh, it's going uh, to give me some wisdom. It's going to give me some comfort and some courage. It's gonna, when I'm feeling stressed out, it's going to bring me some peace. And don't get me wrong. Jesus does offer all of those things, but it's as a byproduct of the greater, the bigger things that He's doing for you. He is not here to just be a warm, fuzzy, inspirational friend for you. He's not like a shot of spiritual adrenaline to give you, you know, power and uh, victory to overcome. And He's not here to be a therapeutic counselor or life coach to make you successful in life, to make everything go smoothly. That's not what He's about. He's here to offer purification, forgiveness, a right relationship with God to give you hope to keep going on no matter what you're having to deal with. How big is your Jesus? I guess don't feel too bad about struggling with that question or forgetting it because His own disciples did. They spent every day with Him for three years. They heard Him teach. They saw His, his miracles. They saw His compassion and His holiness. 
And yet they still forgot about how big he was. Because they got all concerned about petty things. So as Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 12, he says, Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Hey, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse or barn, yet God feeds them. Okay, well, of how much more value are you than birds? Or consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. Oh, you of little faith, do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. Your Father knows that you need Him. Instead, what? Seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do you ever get strung out, stressed out, worried about all that kind of stuff? Like, how in the world am I ever going to get through this? How am I going to provide for my kids? How, how am I... How am I going to find the right job? How am I going to find a career? How am I going to find love? Nobody's ever going to love me. I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm ugly, whatever. We, we get down about all these things. Worry, worry, worry. How it's going to work out in the end. Forgetting that we have a God who cares for us, who's there for us, who will provide for us. It's not that these things aren't something we should think about or be concerned about, but the Lord is saying, hey, hey, hold on, stop, pause. Think about who I am. It's not all on you. You're not a one in control anyway. That thing, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I, I take care of them. You don't think I'm going to take care of you? You have so little faith because you forgot who I am. If you would just seek, if you would focus on me first, you would know, you'd understand I'm going to take care of you. Trust me that I can provide. Don't be diverted by all the issues and problems. Focus your mind on greater things, on on Jesus. The author of Hebrews says the same thing. Chapter 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know, you're running a race. It's very easy to get tired and worn out and you just want to give up and quit, but you focus on the finish line. It's much easier to focus if you can see the finish line, right? If it's still way out there and you can't see it, it you really feel like giving up. So like if you're working out, you know, you... you you need something to focus on, right, to keep you going so you don't tire out. So maybe, you know, you got a poster of Rocky on the wall to, get, to keep you fired up and moving. Or uh, maybe you have one of those pictures of a cat dangling from a rope saying, hang in there, baby. Just something to focus your mind on. on you're going to get through this. Maybe you have a picture of your family on your desk. Motivates you to, to, to deal with whatever you're going through because there's something better, so there's something greater to think about here. Do you, I, I think about when I was a kid. It's kind of silly, but maybe you've done this too. I don't know that you're... And, and i got to tell you, back in the day when, when we went to the dentist, it was scary. I mean, dentists are way better today than they were back then, right? So you had to be distracted. You're not thinking about what they're doing. So, you know, you're laying back in the chair and they got the little motivational posters on the ceiling you're looking at. But I would tend... When I'm going through... It was painful. I would think about Jesus on the cross. I'm thinking, if Jesus can deal with the cross, I can get through this dentist appointment, right? Goofy, but... Maybe you've been there. You're going through tough. You think, if Jesus could have done that, I can get through this. I'm thinking about something greater, something better than what I'm going through. Don't give up on that. You know? Did, you make, did I make the right decision to follow Jesus? I thought it was going to be better than this. Yes. But you need perseverance, and the strategy to perseverance is to focus your mind on the radiance and the exact representation of God. To fasten your thoughts, attach them, to Jesus himself. 
That'll get you through the strain and the pain that you're going through. You don't, don't focus on that. Focus on Him. And then plus you got Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. We must pay uh, the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we, what? That we don't drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, back in the Old Testament, and every violation of disobedience received its just punishment. I mean, that's what the Old Covenant was. Uh, the, the law of Moses was all about, you know, if you obey God, He'll bless you. If you don't obey Him, He'll punish you. Okay, so if that was true then, then how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord. I mean, we got it so much better than the Old Testament, folks, right? Jesus brought us this new, better covenant, which was just as binding. It was confirmed to us by those who heard him. You got the apostles and the prophets who were eyewitnesses. They recorded it all for us in the New Testament books. You've got uh, the miracles. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, various miracles. That was the evidence. And by the gifts of the Holy Spirit directed, distributed according to His will. So we've even got these spiritual gifts in us that are evidence. In other words, we've got all these greater things than the Old Testament saints had. Greater revelation. Greater evidence. Greater responsibility. Okay, so if that's how He dealt with the Old Testament folks, how do you think He's going to deal with us in the New Testament? Who have so much more than they did. I mean, we got it way better than they. So let's not take it for granted. Let's not drift back into spiritual mediocrity. Let's not drift into apathy and, and lukewarmness or worse. It's a warning, first of all, to unbelievers to stop ignoring God's call to salvation. I mean, you're trying some other way to make it to heaven to get right with God. You ain't going to make it. Jesus is the only way. You've got to stop rejecting Him. It doesn't matter how good you think you are, how spiritual you think you are, it's not good enough. I know right now, maybe life is good for you, and you're just kind of drifting along on the river, and you're a little floaty, bobbing along, things are wonderful, but you're ignoring the sound of the waterfall you're heading over. It's going to crash you and dash you into destruction. It's coming. Judgment day is sure. So it's time to stop messing around. Grab the lifesaver that God is throwing you today. Many of you are already believers. You've already grabbed that lifesaver in Jesus. But you know, you're, you're kind of floating along out on the ocean too. You're not sticking too close to the shore. You're growing a little bit more lazy and lax and drifting further and further away from God. And before you know it, you're already out there lost at sea. It happens. Unthinkable that you would let everything you have go to waste, that you would throw it all away because you, you begin to drift by not focusing on Jesus anymore. When you're it happens usually when you're going through the choppy waters, when you're getting slammed by the waves and you're going under, you feel like giving up. That's the time you need to grab on tighter. You need to remember Jesus is greater and He offers something better. But is there already something better or greater for you in your life than Jesus? Are you already distracted by something else that's become more important to you? You may be wondering, is it really worth it to... Uh, to follow God and when I've got this relationship with this girl, I'm in this relationship with this guy, is, is it worth it to put God first? Is it worth it to trust God with my finances? Is it really worth it to, um, to get all the ridicule that I'm getting from my family and from my peers? I, sh I, I don't have to go through this, I don't but should I keep going? If I stay focused 
on what is unseen, I can make it. Again, that finish line may be still far out there. You can't see it right now. That's what it means to walk by faith. You're not focusing on the scene, but on what is unseen. So like a coach might say to you, you know, like, hey, look, you're only going to get out of this what you put into it. I'm encouraging you, challenging you to put a lot into this commitment we're talking about during this series. All right, we're, we're learning about how to grow and to go. To grow in your faith, to become more like Jesus, and to go and make an impact for Jesus. And that's all about the Great Commission, isn't it? It's about making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. So here's what we're asking you to do in these weeks leading up to Easter and our 30th birthday. You get a commitment card when you, when you came in. You got one last week, maybe? If you didn't get one, grab them on the way out. They're on the tables out there. Grow and go commitment cards that have these six commitments. Three of them are about growing. Three of them are about going. The first one is about attending. Will you attend for the next four weeks plus Easter? Put God first by showing up for worship, not just when you feel like it, not when, you know, you got other things to do, when you got chores. I got, I'm telling you right now, guys, as soon as I leave here today, I got to go home and do chores. Uh, I'd rather take a nap, but I'm going to have to do chores. And maybe you've got stuff you got to do too. But you said, no, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to give God first place. He's He's my first priority. This isn't just something I do when I feel like it. It's, it's a habit. Um, God gets first dibs. And so I'm going to honor Him through worship. Secondly is to read your Bible daily. Open it up every day on your app or your lap, whatever you got. But read a little bit, even if it's just a chapter a day, because that's how you get your mind changed and transformed. That's how you switch your focus. By letting him speak into your life, make it a habit, a priority. And so we, through all these things, we have all kinds of literature out on the tables. We've got downloadable stuff. You can go online, get a Bible reading plan, because you might think, where do I start? I say, oh, look, just start in the New Testament, start in one of the Gospels, read about Jesus. But we've got these different Bible study method plans for you called SOAPS, S-O-A-P-S. You might check all that out online. And third is to pray daily. Again, to make it a habit, a priority, an appointment with God. I'm going to talk to Him. Let Him talk to me through the Word. That's how you grow in any relationship. We call it encounter because you're encountering God. You can't grow without that. So we've got, again, downloadable resources that will help you uh, develop a prayer life, how to have a better prayer life, make it a lifestyle. Those are the three things to help you grow. We've got three things to help you go. The first one you already heard about, serve. We've got these 30 days of service coming up starting this week, March 18th through April 17th. For 30 days, we're going to celebrate our church birthday, 30 years, by not giving gifts to ourselves, but by giving gifts to the community, blessing them. So again, sign up online for one or two different things. Meet some physical needs because that opens the door for people to have their spiritual needs met. Good works open the door for the good news. Uh, we got some cards out in the lobby too about blessing the schools. Use those. Join some teams. Then next, invite at least one person to join you for this series, to show up here with you, or to go out and serve together with you, because people are, are tired of two years of being alone, of, of, of being um, isolated. They're ready to go out, get out and do something, and especially to go out and make a difference, to meet some needs. We're wired that way. So yes, invite them to go serve together with you, or, and or to show up here as well. Okay, so we've got invite cards for you for that as well. We've got these other cards about 10 tips on how to bring somebody to church. Grab one of those. And then lastly is to share your story with at least one other person before Easter. It could be the same person that you're inviting to church, but you tell them about how you came to faith in Jesus. Why? How it happened. The difference that he's made in your life. Uh, we've got help for that too. Downloadable resource. Take you through the process 
of writing your story and how to show it. Again, we've got another card out in the lobby, seven-point checklist for sharing your faith. We want to help you. And so you can get all this stuff not only in the lobby, you can download it through the app. If you don't have the app, grab it off one of the, the, the app stores. Tap on Grow and Go or just go online directly to southpointccc.com. Grow and Go. Or, and, plus, an addition, absolutely free, these lovely green rubber wristbands are yours out in the lobby. This, these will remind you of that. Maybe open some conversations with people as you wear it as well. So, Look, again, as a coach, <laughs> you're only going to get out of this what you put into it. You could just do a few of these, but I would encourage you to go all in, do all of them, right? Because I think it's going to make life better for you. Imagine how your life could be better if you were growing closer to God, growing in your faith. Imagine the difference you could be making in other people's lives by, by going for Jesus. Imagine if, what we all, if we all went all in, don't you think? Don't you think that would be a lot better thing? All right, so it begins with your own personal decision. Have you ever made a decision to really commit to Christ, to go all in? Because he, he did it for you, right? He sent his son to be your Savior, give his life on the cross. But you've got to believe, you've got to take the step of accepting it. Because if you're believing like, I'm, I'm a pretty good person, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person, I've got a religious background, you've got people telling you, uh, you know what? Why don't you just choose one method to, to, to go with God and stick with that? Because there are all kinds of different ways to go with God. No, they're not. Jesus is the only way. Why? Because he's the only one who is God. He's the only one who is qualified to be a sacrifice for your sin. He's the only one who can forgive you. He's the only one that can take you to heaven because of who he is. and what he, He's the only one that rose from the dead. Nobody else is worthy of that. So if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus today to repent of your sin, to turn away from your old life, start following him, be baptized, immersed in water, to be buried, bury your past, your sins with Jesus, rise up a brand new person, we're ready to do that for you today. We, we've got everything you need, towels, robes, warm water. You can take that plunge today. You can text us, you can email us. Uh, we'll get back to you right away. Even better, if you're on site, just come up in the next few minutes. While the music is playing, meet with some friends up here who can pray with you, who can answer your questions, who can get you ready to make the best decision ever in your life. Because you've got to make a decision at some point. To not decide is to decide not to. And if you're already a believer, maybe, again, you're stuck, you're stalled, you're not growing like you should be, you're not going, you're not taking any next steps to become more like Jesus. So what can you do today to become more of an exact representation of Jesus, to have that character stamped on your life, to be imprinted with Jesus so that when people look at you, they see Jesus in your life? Let's pray about that. Father, we first want to praise you for sending your Son into this world, for your greatness. You're our creator. You're our ruler. But more than that, you're our redeemer. Jesus, we, we worship you as Lord as the only one who was God and man, who gave his life, who rose from the dead. We trust you with our, with our soul, with our eternity. We trust that you're big enough to handle any issues that we're going through right now, any suffering that people are experiencing, God. 
We pray that they'll turn to you for that. And there are, there are people who are struggling with so much more difficult things than we are. People who are genuinely suffering in terrible ways. We're seeing it in the news all the time right now. Ukraine and they're flooding into Poland and, and Romania. And I pray, Father, that you will relieve their suffering, that you will bring peace and end to the violence and that your people, your church there, will, will shine in a very dark place, that they will rise up and point people to, to you as, as the one that gives hope and help and healing. God, help us to be more committed, that we wouldn't give up, that we wouldn't back down, that we wouldn't drift away, Lord, that we'll stay solid in our faith, good times and bad times, God. That you'll help us to take next steps, that we'll keep attending, being a part of worship, that we'll keep encountering you in prayer, in scripture reading, that we'll keep serving and inviting and sharing our faith with people, and that we would just have an incredible Easter coming up where so many get to know you. God, I pray right now that there will be people who will make decisions that they've been putting off, that they've been neglecting, that they'll, they'll do it today, finally. We pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we stand and sing, you can feel free to come down to the front right now.